0: Hello and welcome to Sabbath School Quarterly Commentary. This is your pure gold commentary podcast. And as the name suggests, this is a commentary, it's not a study guide. So grab your study guide if you're not driving or running while listening to us. My name is Morgan Vincent and in this week's episode we have Mark Sutherland and we're here to discuss the theme of rebellion in a perfect universe. Mark, thank you for joining us and yeah, we're going to have a good discussion today.
1: Absolutely, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Look, we are starting this new quarter on death, dying, and, and 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 the future hope. And I guess to begin with, this idea of rebellion in a perfect universe may seem um, a bit strange to think of. And I'm 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 looking forward to it because it's going to set the stage for where we're going in the next you know few months or so as we as we unpack, uh, you know this this yeah, series of, 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 of discussions that we have. And so it's going to be good. Um, I, I guess to begin with, Mark, we, we live in this world where there are different uh, ideas and views and, you know, things that are going on. And sometimes it helps to kind of go right back to the start.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, going back to the start, that's kind of where you find out where the whole dichotomy of evil and good, in a mm-hmm. supposedly perfect universe comes from. Mm. So, yeah, let's um, we could go back to the start and outlay the foundation and see, see what's going on here.
0: All right, let's do that. And, you know, when we think of God, uh, it can be a loaded word for some, but the Bible very much paints this picture uh, that God is a God of love. Uh, you know, as well, it says that God is light, that God is spirit. But, you know, particularly for today, we want to look at how God is love. And you know, we see this in the Bible and maybe Mark if you if you can if you've got that, just just read it for us in First in John chapter four and and verse eight there.
1: Yep. So first John chapter four and verse eight. It's a short one. It says, He that loves, loves not, knows not God, for God is love. Hmm.
0: I, I guess to begin with, you know, some initial thoughts that come to mind is that, you know, for love to be love. There needs to be freedom.
1: Yeah. So, if we're gonna if we're gonna define love as you know this um, complete unselfish um, giving and selflessness towards another human being or another entity, yeah, you can't have yeah, you can't have um, force or coercion in that because mm. then we'd have to start redefining what love is and what that looks like. And so the perspective here, scripture is taking is that because God is love, the verse is then implying that there has to be free will and that there has to be a form of um, give and take and a form of an agreement and a, and a willingness to participate um, with God. So, yeah, this verse is really short, but it speaks volumes to that. And that's kind of where our discussion really begins in unpacking this rebellion in a perfect universe. Mm-hmm.
0: Freedom, free will, I like it. Um, now, this this I found interesting and um yeah, we're gonna we're gonna look at it briefly. Is this idea of the Epicurean riddle? Uh, now, Mark, I know you like uh, you know all things philosophy and ideas, and and reading books that are you know thicker than they are you know wide or high. Um, but with this Epicurean riddle, um, Epicurus was a, an ancient Greek philosopher, and this little riddle or this little saying goes something like this. He says. Is God willing to prevent evil, but not able? Then he is not omnipotent. Is he able, but not willing? Then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Thence, when cometh evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? And I think it stands to reason that what he's getting at is this tension of. Okay, if God is a God of love, why on earth is there evil and pain and suffering in this world?
1: Yeah, and I think, to be honest, uh, Epicurus had some great questions to ask. And I think if we're being honest with ourselves and we consider the possibility that God exists, these are very uh, relevant questions, um, especially to the seemingly senseless suffering that happens in our world today. Mm. Um, But if we backtrack a little bit, when we talk about love and freedom, Often, especially in Western societies, you know, often the ideas of freedom and liberty are so championed, but sometimes we don't stop to think what that actually implies. Mm. And whenever you have freedom and liberty, you also have risk. Mm-hmm. And I think freedom and responsibility are really should be handful, handled responsibly. So, you know, you can do this thing, but should you ought to do this thing? And so when we look at this idea of, of love and understanding, well, you know, if God is God, like, you know, Epicurus says, um, you know, if he's willing to prevent evil, not able, you know, there's this tension of like, okay, God, to define God, he has to be X, Y, and Z, yet something that is completely opposite to what God claims to be exists. So how do they come together? And this dichotomy of risk and responsibility, I think, is where it really starts to, um, Kind of start to explain and give us solid answers to um, these questions that Epicurus had. Mm-hmm.
0: And I guess you know the 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 lesson this week brings out um, the the passage in Revelation twelve, and and it's one it's a passage that uh, you know many of us are probably familiar with. And and I guess to to bring everyone uh, to the same point, whether we're familiar with it or not, in in Revelation chapter twelve particularly verses 7 to 9 um, John here is recording that there's this war broke out in heaven and there were these two sides there was God's side and there was uh then you know Satan's side and we see here that this war broke out in heaven there was there was fighting um it, it wasn't this physical fighting per se it was more of a you know a, a, a war of of words and ideas and uh lies and and, and truth and things like this and and because of this, you know, there was no longer a place, as it says there, there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And and I always whenever I read this and, and think about it, it 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 startles me because it seems the most unlikely place for a rebellion to begin.
1: Yeah. And with this beginning of a rebellion, when when we think of heaven, um, particularly, you know within religious circles um i would extend that beyond christianity to say in Indo- islam and hinduism and and other various religions heaven is you know it is a place that is free it is a place that is separate um from this earth it is it is a place that it it fulfills um the human experience um in a way that this earth really can't in that it allevi- alleviates suffering so mm. the whole idea of war in heaven is a crazy concept and it's something we can as Adventists especially, look over um, all too much. But when we stop and see and read, you know, there's this war in heaven, do, Morgan, do you get the sense that this is a physical war and fighting? I know the text doesn't explicitly say it, but what is this war over and what's, what's contained in this war?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good question. And I, I think we could take, you know we could take hours to to unpack it initially um you know we 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 find that it says there was war broke out in heaven, and something which helps us to better understand the the nature of this war um is that the Greek word for war is polemos uh now that's where we get such words like you know polar or like you know we would say oh that's a polar opposite idea or you know we we have things like you know, politics, or it was a polemic. So we we have this this notion of, you know, these these kind of ideas that are in conflict. It's like, well, what are the what what's the tension over? What's the war over? And and fundamentally, and, and we'll get to this in a little bit. Fundamentally, the war was over the character of God. Mm. You know, is God a God of love, or is He merely this this God, this tyrant who? You know, sits on this throne, and you know, puts law and order in place so that people and angels and and all of those created merely serve him, so that so he kind of you know has this sense of gratification. And so there was this this war that broke out in heaven, and 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 you know, Satan's side of this is very much saying that well, God cannot be trusted, God cannot be loved. Um, he's only doing this for his own benefit. Um, so, you know, but, and this is the thing is that, you know, any, the the nature of any, you know, if I was to start, you know, putting, um, you know, spreading, you know, falsehood about you, Mark, I can't come out and say it straight away in its fullness. Like you have to kind of back it back and say, well, okay, I'm going to start putting some doubt in people's mind about who you are. And so. You know, in in, in a very real sense, this is, and and we can kind of use a sense of creative license to this to say, well, you know, Satan would have gone around to to the angelic beings in heaven and and kind of just started to just drop these thoughts, drop these, you know, almost rhetorical questions in their minds to say, well, is God really love? Is God? And so it, it would have taken time until all of a sudden it says there that you know there was a third of the angels that were cast out like that doesn't happen overnight and and so this war would have would have developed over time um as to who God is essentially
1: yeah and so it seems to be that war it really is an extension of politics when mm. when two parties can't agree yeah you know it it becomes then to a turning point of well you know over this space especially in heaven well we can now it 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 ramps up to an intensity where it's like okay now this is the final showdown. Mm. There's no more dialogue. There's no more debate. There needs to be a decision. Mm. There needs to be a conclusion. And when that happens, and we see it in our world today, this is when war escalates because you know every other means has has you know either been thrown at the table to push an agenda or um yeah is coming to a crescendo to an end. So yeah, it 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 shows this build up. It shows. That this has been festering for a while, and that this really was a war of ideas, mm. and a war of um, thoughts and words of you know the character and the nature of God, mm. and so yeah, we see the the beginnings of good and evil here,
0: mm. and, and this comes out especially in in Revelation twelve and verse nine. It, it says that you know this great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, and and it goes on to say who deceives the whole world. So so. You know, Satan is very much about deceiving. Well, deceiving what or deceiving who? Well, okay, he's he's wanting to deceive other angels, other you know worlds, but yet he he's deceiving them about something. Like, what's the what's the thing that he's deceiving them about? And and ultimately, it's about God and God's kingdom uh, and the way God would operate. Um, the this this idea of rebellion in a perfect universe. Um, Again, the Bible actually gives some, some really good insight. Um, and, and we want to go back to some Old Testament passages now to, I guess, help lay this foundation and, and build this foundation because it's critical that that we know where we're going from here in coming weeks uh, because it's going to kind of set us up for that. And so I guess when we come to to books like Isaiah and, and also Ezekiel, these prophets of old, they were... Uh, very much give an insight into what's going on behind the curtain.
1: yeah, absolutely. and scripture plays out these um these yeah pulling pulling back of the curtain as you said, into seeing what happened before the account in Genesis, which is interesting because when we document since beginning on this on this earth we really have to go back to Genesis to see the fall of Adam and Eve. Mm. But God is actually giving a window to this conflict starting before then. Mm-hmm. So the war, like earth almost becomes collateral and then mm-hmm. the main battleground, but this is all starting before then. So in Isaiah 14, verses 12 to 14, um, I'm happy to read that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Isaiah chapter 14, oh, sorry, One moment, I'll just flick over a few pages. Isaiah 14 and verses 12 to 14, the Bible says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground which do weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. And I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. Pretty mm. pretty pompous words there.
0: What? Look, might as well just come out and say this. Like, This is very much, you know, this, this being called Lucifer is very much setting about a character assassination toward God. He, he's, and it's, it's like the way that Isaiah records this is brilliant. Lucifer, interesting is is the name which would mean light bearer. So Lucifer was was this you know this this created angel and his primary role and and purpose for for existing was to to bear light and and not just the 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 light that you and I may see but you know the light um you know regarding you know God's character and God's truth like he was the one to you know kind of you know disseminate that throughout you know the, the other angels as well and here it goes on to say that all of these I will statements and Lucifer is very much insinuating that God is wanting to ascend at the expense of
1: everyone else. Yeah, it's insane. Um, you know, the, the famous saying from um, Spider-Man, actually, the Marvel, the Marvel <laughs> series is with great power comes great responsibility. Mm. And. Here it it seems that Satan wants great power, but he doesn't really want the great responsibility Mm. that comes with being God. Um, It's the status and it's the position more than it is um, understanding actually what God's role is Mm. and the self-sacrifice that that would take to be God. And that's not mentioned here in these verses. And that's really easy to point out, but I think that manifests itself in people today as well. Mm. We have a lot of leadership yeah, you know, in the world today around the world where it seems to be very evidenced by their fruits that, you know, it's it's the status and not the responsibility that people crave. So it's 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 in it's on all of us to be inclined that way. So I think when we see this, you know, this attempt to assassinate the character of God really loses for expo- exposes himself mm. for his true intentions and his true um state of heart. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And um, it, it's I, I guess to kind of recap and and bring things to where we are now. You know, there's there's this God of love that the Bible is 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 telling us about, who who's giving freedom. But with that freedom, this this being called Lucifer, misuses that freedom. And and there was always the risk. You know, there was always the risk that it, that it could go wrong. But but that's the kind of God that is seen in Scripture is that He's willing to take that risk because He doesn't just want uh, you know a universe full of robots that merely you know well it, you wouldn't call it love you wouldn't call it you know service you, it would just be you know this forced you know robotic thing but yet god is willing to do that because that's that's the, the the way that the best possible universe can there can be and so you know with this you know he he's saying all these claims of you know I will I will I will I will it does expose his heart and you know, the tragedy of this, you know, it says there in verse 15, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. And so, you know, we'll go in just a moment to, to the passage in Ezekiel, but it's almost, you know, the, when we look at these verses and the rebellion in a perfect universe, we, we can't neglect the, the relational aspect of it in that God lost a friend in this, like he, he lost someone who was, was very close to him. Um, and you know, we can, we can talk in our, you know, language today, like, oh, you know, like Lucifer, like became Satan and then Satan, you know, was cast out of heaven. Like, and we can almost forget that, you know, what, what it would have been like for God to have been, you know, kind of pleading with Lucifer to say, look, you know, th- this isn't who I am. Like, you know, this is actually who I am. Like, I'm doing all of this for, you know, for the good of the universe. And yet through that, you know, lucifer's eyes were were so blinded he he just saw himself um and not the greater good of what god was doing so
1: it's wild yeah it's it's crazy it's absolutely crazy yeah you're right and um yeah it had the ripple effect of that because you know that lucifer convinces and deceives many to go down the same path of him it just becomes collateral Mm. and um it just multiplies and escalates Yeah. So. Yeah, our next next passage um Ezekiel 28, 12 mm. to 19. Do you want to get that one to read?
0: Yeah, look, th- this passage in Ezekiel is interesting and here Ezekiel is using this um this literary technique to to draw upon the the image of the king of Tyre who was was a legitimate and an actual, you know, king of of history and drawing a comparison to now Satan in this. So it's kind of like you know, people of, of Ezekiel's day, they're like, oh, yeah, we know the king of Tyre. Oh, yeah, we know what he's like. Oh, now, so there's this connection being drawn. Um, just a little comment I'll mention about Tyre. Uh, the king of Tyre and, uh, you know, the kingdom there, it, uh, here's this, this commentary on it. It says uh, that Tyre regarded herself as an all-powerful, superhuman, and virtually eternal city. She was possessed of wealth and wisdom above all other cities, and this led on to the incredible arrogance for which Tyre was notorious. So you know, picture this in mind: this this great and you know powerful uh, city, and yet it's doing that at the expense of all others. With this in mind, um, you know, it, it's uh, I'll just comment on some some verses here in Ezekiel twenty-eight, from verses twelve to to nineteen it says here, Son of Man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, you were full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. And so here Ezekiel's looking back on a on, on a time past when, you know, whoever this, this being is, they were all of this. But evidently now they're not. Um, you know it, it speaks of in verse thirteen, you know, the, the beauty of, of this being. You know, all these precious stones were, were, you know, this being was covered with all of these stones, you know, from the very day that they were created. Um, and in verse 14, you know, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. So, you know, this being has, you know, a, a very close and, and intimate experience with God. But verse 15, it changes. And it says, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. And so I guess it, it, it kind of, you know, people can ask the question and, <clears throat> you know, people have asked this me before and, and I'm sure they've asked you too, Mark, is that the question of, well, why did God create Satan? Why did God create the devil?
1: Yeah, um, it's a great, great question. But is this verse we just read, it was, you were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created. Until iniquity was found in you, so you're perfect until you weren't. Mm. So it was God creates something perfect, and the amount of detail that Scripture goes into in verse thirteen to describe what the King of Tyre, and his here, it's now alluding to Lucifer, very strongly, looked like. You know, he had every, you know, every every piece of jewelry and mm-hmm. uh, precious stone and gem that you can have, but. Until iniquity is found in you. I think there's there's that change where it's like, okay, God says, and he's clear, I've created you perfect, but there came a point in time where you didn't want that anymore. You've walked mm. away, and so iniquity is found in you. So the change in creating Satan doesn't come f- from God himself, but rather it comes from Lucifer, um, from within himself, from within um, his choices, and we go on to read that, hey.
0: Mm-mm. Yeah, so, and and that fits with, you know, before we were looking at this, this, you know, love, freedom, risk, you know, little, little equation as well. Um, It goes on in verse 16. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within you and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. There's a lot in here and a couple of points I want to bring out. The first one is there's this idea of trading, um, and and again this this Hebrew word you know for, for trading brings out this idea of you know e- exchanging, you know exchanging these these ideas exchanging. So it's like you know if you were to go down to you know the the you know the local markets, it's this idea of trading or exchanging. You know I'll give you something if you give me something, and and essentially what 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 Satan was 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 trading. Was again these these lies surrounding the character of God that God was this you know this self-serving um, you know God who uh, was only in it for himself um, and so by the abundance of your trading you became filled with violence and you sinned therefore I cast you now it it, it may seem a harsh thing that that God cast you know Lucifer cast Satan from from heaven but you know God. I'm putting out there, feel free to agree or disagree that God would cease to be a God of love if he doesn't at times when necessary take action to kind of cut the cancer out.
1: Yeah. It's damage control at this point.
0: Yeah. It's like if God doesn't intervene and do something, there could be like the damage could be too, too widespread and too far from, you know, kind of pulling it back.
1: Yeah. And, as we've got to see throughout this, um, throughout the quarter and everything like there comes a point though, where the question is, well, when does God do that? Mm. Because, okay, you're allowing a being to have free choice, but when is your time up? And obviously that's a study for another time, but yeah, there is this, there is this tension of like, God has to allow him to run his course. And in doing so, Satan's been able to expose himself for who he is without, you know, um, anything else other than his actions action speaking louder than any other accusations against him. Mm. But yeah, God has to intervene at some point with this guy because he's clearly very, very self-absorbed. Mm. And it really, it came down to pride in that, you know, he's created beautiful and everything, but that in itself becomes the stumbling block when he becomes pride, pride, mm. proud rather. Mm-hmm. So yeah, pride is this deadly sin. And, you know, um, in classical Christian tradition, the seven daily sins, pride is regarded as the worst because it from there everything then becomes um, natural to do. Mm. And so, yeah, we see this with Satan. And I think, I think this imagery we have in Ezekiel is, is powerful in, in, in testifying to that. Mm.
0: Um I think some other reasons why it's important that we understand, um, you know, where this rebellion came from and, and, and why it it came about. And and I guess, you know, we've looked at just a few passages and it, it at times can seem a little bit mm, simplistic and like, oh, that's just nice. That you put a few passages together and voila, you've explained the whole origin of evil and how there was rebellion in a perfect universe. But um, like to me, it seems quite, consistent it seems logical it seems you know very much in in line with you know what what scripture is saying um, but another point that comes out is that um, what it would look like if we didn't have this foundation if we didn't have this you know building block of oh okay now we can understand where evil and where sin and where pain and suffering came from like if if we didn't have that then it really puts us in a place where well, we're not quite sure where it came from. Well, it just kind of has always been here or, you know, we might as well just get used to it or maybe there is actually no such thing as pain and suffering and evil. And for me personally, as I've wrestled through this, you know, for for a number of years now, this to me seems the the best possible... That's the wrong way of saying it. This seems the most plausible Explanation for understanding why there is pain, evil, and
1: suffering in the world. Yeah, and look on on a big macro level, it, it really does, doesn't it? It explains the origins of evil, and without it, we end up again at the Epicurean riddle, and it becomes very difficult to understand it and and wrestle with the tensions in their minds. But at the same time, there are a lot of things we still don't know in its entirety. Like mm-hmm. how does how does a perfect being, you know like where does sin originate how do you explain sin in its entirety that these are things you know we don't know mm. but we do know enough that the responsibility and the blame that is so often put on god is misplaced mm. now I, I think god is is big enough to take all of that and to take the questions and and the struggling with this subject and it's still something to wrestle with because we can see things around us that are so senseless in the sense mm-hmm. of suffering but scripture actually talks a lot about this conversation of theodicy and suffering throughout Job and the other books in, in the, of the Bible and there's a lot we don't know and we won't know until you know we get to the other side and we and we get to see Jesus face to face and have these have these discussions but i think for now the bible is peering but peeling back the curtain of time and saying listen these things do have their origin but it's not in a god that is absent or not interested or you know mm um flippant with his power. Um, it's not a God that refuses to take responsibility. And I think this is what's powerful is that although this originates with Satan and he's responsible for sin, God then takes it upon himself to mm. take the responsibility of sin and its consequences um onto Jesus. So yeah, I, I think I think there are still some questions we have, but without this pinpoint of understanding the origin of evil with Satan, I really do think we'd be in the dark and there'd be far more speculation than we have now. Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And, you know, this, this to kind of wrap up, you know, some of our thoughts and, and uh, yeah, let this be, yeah, the the first of, of, you know, the next, you know, few, few months of, of kind of, you know, going on this journey of, you know, looking at questions, you know, surrounding death and, and, and dying and, and, and a future hope is that, yeah, as you said, Mark, even though it it went bad, to say it, you know, plainly, God did take that responsibility and, you know, where we're going from here, uh as as the 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 overall theme is, you know, on death, dying and a future hope. Is that through all of this and and we've just, you know, we've glanced at it, you know, this 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 God of love who who gave freedom and gives freedom was willing to do that in spite of the risk that there could be. Because what we have to remember is that even though one third of the the angels you know, were cast out of heaven with Lucifer, there were still two-thirds that pledged their loyalty, their love, and devotion to God. And, and so you know it's this risk reward thing that that we'll keep looking at in, in future weeks, but um, yeah, look, this, this kinds of it, it very much leaves it you know on a bit of a cliffhanger of like, well, what's next? and, and we're going to be looking at it at that in coming weeks. But, um, you know, for those of you who've, who've tuned in and listened today, uh, yeah, we hope, Mark and I hope that you've yeah been able to, to better understand and, and deepen your understanding of, of Scripture as, we, as we've looked at some passages and, and, yeah, unpacked what it means to realize that there was rebellion in a perfect universe. Uh, God isn't at fault. God isn't the one to blame. Um, that was Satan in kind of bringing it upon himself. But yet through all of that, the hope is that God took responsibility for that and did something about it. And so, you know, we, we see this as well in in, in passages like First John chapter four as a whole that, you know, God was willing to, you know, take responsibility and do things so that this would all be reversed. Um, and there would be people like you and me that would respond to him with love and loyalty and devotion. Uh, not force or coercion. And so, Mark, thanks for, for joining us today Thank you in for our me. discussion. And, um, yeah, we look forward to what's next in in this quarter uh, and in this uh, yeah series on death, dying, and future hope. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like the conversation, tell your friends. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you are listening right now. Sabbath School Quarterly Commentary is a production of the Sabbath School Department of the North New South Wales Conference. This week's episode was produced by Henrique Felix and Morgan Vincent. That's it. We'll see you next week.